everybody. Welcome to Rust Belt Startup. This is a long-form long form podcast that focuses on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, educators, interesting people that are doing interesting things in unconventional locations. I'm your host, Ryan Miller, and this is going to be a little bit of a shorty episode. I've been calling these toolbox episodes, but this isn't really a toolbox episode. It's more of a, of a short-form conversation. This is um, uh, uh, a conversation with... Um, uh, a previous guest on the podcast, Brett Orchowski, who is a professor at Utica College by day, but he's also uh, got some pretty cool projects cooking by night. And I want to, uh, this is a conversation that we had about uh, citizen journalism and a project that he's launching this week. Actually, I believe it will probably have launched yesterday, Monday uh, of this week, called Stateline New York. And it's a news and media website. And uh, Stateline is a, um, a project that produces socially responsible media with a focus on issues, trends, ideas, and overlook stories that examine and explain upstate New York. And uh, it's something that uh, he's been working on with other creators for the past several months. And full disclosure, I am one of those creators. There was a project that I launched with two uh, uh, of my very good friends, Matt Wagner and Jeff Storm, um, last fall, which was um, a detour of Bag Square East. It was a historic walking tour of um, Bag Square East. So um, immersive, and it was on top of the detour platform. But that um, that product, that uh, that service, shut down. It was bought by Bose, actually. And so this this awesome project that we put a ton of time into um just kind of went away and brett came along and and enjoyed that project and said hey what would you think about adapting this for stateline new york and so we did and so uh our part of this first crop of initial stories is that detour where we um you can you can take it as an audio walking tour and actually walk through it or you can take it as a text and photo tour using 360 degree video um as part of Stateline New York. So uh, in this conversation, we kind of talk about why he created this and uh, the different kinds of stories that are part of Stateline New York. So if you want to check it out uh, after this conversation, go to statelineny.com and you can um, support the creators by purchasing the stories. Um, they're a few bucks each and half goes to charity and half goes to the creator of the stories. So um, they're all different. One's a documentary, uh, very big in, in, in rich media and, and uh, data interpretation. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right here. I'm going to jump right into the conversation that I had with Brett about State, State Line New York, citizen journalism and the media landscape. Um, all right. So I guess where do we start? Uh, what's State Line, what is State Line New York? Yeah, Stateline New York is the first of uh, three projects for me over the next year uh, that focus not only my background of uh, uh, you know media startups, overall startups, mm-hmm. overall business climate, but I've been sitting on this idea for a couple of years ever since I went back into academia um, to see if there's an appetite, especially statewide, um, for single stories, real in-depth stories, not the one-off, not mm-hmm. the quick stuff that traditional media is producing and and pushing out, I really want to take an experimental view on how some of these stories are going to be produced. Uh, You have your traditional long form, you have audio, video, Mm -hmm. you have 360, Mm -hmm. you have documentary work, and there's no statewide organization, mainly because we're provincial animals in in a lot of ways, but I really think we're a lot more... 
we have a lot more in common mm-hmm. than we have than we have differences. Yeah. The four stories are very different, not only mm-hmm. in terms of region, but in terms of delivery and production. So what I'm really interested in is, is there still an appetite for straight reporting? Mm-hmm. I think there is. I think there is, too. Um, and again, in an area of the state which is not too different than other areas, mm-hmm. regions of the state, it's, it's, it's peppered with small towns up and down. Uh, on the other side of the Adirondacks, yeah, on the west side, yeah. this is on the east side of the Adirondacks, um, you have documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there an appetite for short documentary? And there's a lot of talent out there. Yeah. There's a lot of people producing short documentary work. Can we bring that to the next level in New York State? Um, third is heavy on data and analysis from from my colleague, mm-hmm. Dr. Luke Perry, which uh, we'll talk about in a yeah. second. And then we're talking about audio, really creative audio, mm-hmm. audio storytelling, 360 degrees, that can really uh, bring downtowns back to life through media, mm-hmm. which, again, is not offered right. anywhere out right. there in New York State. So you have four very different regions uh, that are very similar in a lot of ways, uh, but four different uh, uh, ways to produce really quality media. That's one side of the purpose of this. The other side is what do we do with this? Do we want advocacy? It's not straight advocacy. Mm-hmm. We want one people to appreciate quality work and the time that involves quality work because we're asking them to pay for it mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, I'm also saying if this, uh, whenever you draw attention with straight reportage, it, it, it brings it back to life. There's so many stories that die on the vine, so to speak, where they just say, oh, it happened. We had a missing child. Mm-hmm. You know, Here's the story of that here's child. Here's the story. And... So I'll give you an example. Um, there's a, a documentary. I would refer to it as a documentary short, which is about 17, 18 minutes, which is still a substantial amount of work. Uh, they focus their documentary on, uh, it's really progressive thinking, and a lot of it also falls back on NIMBY, you know, mm-hmm. not, not in my sure. backyard. Uh, for a safe injection site. Mm-hmm. They're not so much advocating. They take a really nice pragmatic view on it. They're not advocating for just a safe injection site, but they're also incorporating in the fact that this is not just a single law enforcement issue. This is meeting uh, the person who's addicted mm-hmm. at their level mm-hmm. and finding a solution. They, I'm, I'm super proud of them. They took a really uh, uh, a balanced view on this. In Ithaca, Tompkins mm-hmm. County... Um, but we also incorporate the data from across the state. The New York Department of New York State Department of Health has some really nice raw data out there to show how widespread this is. So that's the documentary view on that. And that's a straight film. Straight, straight film. film. Okay. Straight film. Uh, trailers are out there now. Um, there's also straight reportage. Um, you know, we were just talking about it. More than 200 uh, missing children cases, uh, according to the state, and, and some national alliances as well. And currently, years, currently that are still open. Um, sure, there are some runaways. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, there's a, a heavy division from New York City. But what's really interesting, especially in smaller towns in upstate New York, some of these cases are still still open, meaning that either nobody knows, nobody's talking. Um, or they've been forgotten. We mm-hmm. don't want those children to be forgotten. But there's one interesting case just east of the Adirondacks, Adirondack region in, in Greenwich, uh, uh, Green, Greenwich, New York, mm-hmm. uh, not Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, Greenwich is a beautiful town uh, near the Vermont border. Uh, and there's a foster child who uh, disappeared uh, more than a decade ago, 12 years old. Nobody knows what happened. Um, foster parents moved out of state. Uh, the lead investor in the case passed away in March, um, so now it falls into the lap of legal. What what do we do? You know they have a lead suspect, but so that story's focused on that. 
And what and that's straight long form long I would say long form journalism. Yeah, I would say straight long form journalism. Um, straight story. I mean, yeah. it's about two thousand words with data. Uh, some nice interactives as well. So where does it, where does something like that leave you? Let's use that particular story in in general. Um, you as a reader, you go through it, and obviously it's a it's a really it's a horrible story. Um, what what do you what do you do? I mean, is is this kind of is, is the purpose of what's the purpose of the story? Is it to reopen the case? Is it to raise awareness of this case? Is it to crowdsource some ideas? I mean, all of the above. So the, the reason that it's it's intentional. Um, the people uh, and, and the timing is interesting because, the, like I mentioned, the lead investigator has since passed. Mm-hmm. Who's going to pick that up and run with it? Does anyone have a legal obligation to pick it up? Or I don't even know how that system works. Does someone just go, you know what, I'm going to take this on that's in law enforcement? How yeah. does that even work? That's, yeah. that's so literally it's it. still an open case. Huh. So an open case, it falls if it falls on a law enforcement's desk. But it's not, or, it's not this person passes away and then, you know, it's not, um, no one goes, hey, uh, Lieutenant Kojak, this is now your job. It's just who wants it. Well, no, it falls. It, it does fall into someone. Yeah. Okay. So it's very much still open, and when you okay. have an open investigation, a lot's not made public. But that person is also starting from scratch. Yeah. Right. More or okay. less. Um, but again, the fact that there's so many missing child cases still open, um, I feel as is that it's a it's a considerable problem. You have mm-hmm. a lot of unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are the stories that in a traditional newsroom fall by the wayside. Because there's so much emphasis on the day-to-day, minute-to-minute, social mm-hmm. get up there. And it's the same thing even when I was running my organization. Uh, you know, really good reporters bemoan the fact that they don't have time sure. for these stories. So they got to do five or six a day. Yeah. Right. So here's one that we're bringing back to life. Well, I think we're starting to celebrate that a little bit. I mean, you look at, you know, I haven't seen so many people excited about the New Yorker stuff in a while. In, in, in investigative journalism. And I think some of that's... The political climate right now, but like, you know, I think the question is, okay, does it? Who's the who's the audience for this? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Do you do you know? No, and that's <laughs> and I think that's why you know I mentioned it's the first of, yeah. of three uh, ideas slash ventures that I'm going. On. It's a very low risk, potentially mm-hmm. high reward proposition here, where you know I'm, I'm funding all the, the marketing mm-hmm. and whatnot. I've asked colleagues and friends to produce stories that were either in production mm-hmm. or wouldn't take time right. because the institutional knowledge is there. Um, but I feel like, again, there's an appetite for high quality and people that really not only appreciate what they have out there, but it also fills a void mm-hmm. um, that where, where a lot of traditional news organizations have dropped, but, you know, dropped not because they want to, mm-hmm. um, because they have to. The business model dictates that... Yeah. Yeah. So we're focusing on geolocation uh, a lot, but we're also focusing on areas that are very similar. Um, you know, is there an audience out there for that? Is there an audience straight for documentary work? Is there going to be a mm-hmm. time uh, in a year from now where I analyze the four rounds? Mm-hmm. What will be a quarterly? Yeah. You know, what works? And I think what that also does it shows, um, as my dean says, uh, there's somewhat called media. Uh, I call them media deserts mm-hmm. or information deserts. He calls them media or information desserts. Because they only have one ISP in the region, yeah, and they get yeah. force-fed the same media. Yeah. Or, and I was like, "That's that makes a lot of sense." So I want to focus mm-hmm. on areas where um, uh, maybe traditional media has forgotten. And, and if you look at a lot of the data and a lot of studies out there, especially in the last three years, from Pointer, uh, Neiman, uh, at a Harvard, um, about seventy percent of the country is like that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, mm-hmm. outside of metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. So what's going to fill the void? That's that's one of the things that I'm trying to uh, to really not so much crack the code. Yeah. Uh, but maybe find a solution. Let's talk about data visualization because um, this is something that I don't think a lot of people. We've all seen infographs and and some you know some some of these um, data visualizations that have been some interactive, some YouTube, some just straight um, uh, uh, graphical. So you know you're kind of doing a really interesting story that, um, or your colleagues doing an interesting story around uh, scraping data from Twitter primarily. Can you talk about what that is? Because that was really interesting to me. Yeah, so uh, my colleague, uh, brilliant brilliant guy, uh, Dr. Luke Perry, he's the head of the political science department uh, here in Utica College. He has exactly one more Fulbright scholarship than I do. Um, he's just really uh, <laughs> zing. He's got three, yeah. uh, three books out, one on Mitt Romney. Uh, he's, he's written for the Washington, I mean, he's just, yeah, he's done it all. Place. He is a. Uh, I think I have high bandwidth. He he has mm-hmm. probably higher bandwidth mm-hmm. than I do. And he's. This is what he lives. This is what he breathes. And when I approached him to write something um, for a uh, little more than a thousand words, he came back and wrote four thousand words of, of analysis and it focuses on Twitter, post truth error, and ethics in political communication. And uh, there was something that happened right here uh, in the backyard in New York 22, and we're three weeks out from four, yeah. three, four weeks out from uh, that election. It's one of the most, it's top 10 most contentious uh, yeah, country. In, in the country. Uh, but there was an incident where um, uh, communication was manipulated, uh, and, and really at, at Dr. Perry's expense. And it bothered him not because it was personal, it's more because he sees the larger picture mm-hmm. about what's happening. So he wrote this, 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 this beautiful uh, analysis interviewed uh, uh, political scientists from Hamilton, Syracuse, uh, the head of the PRSA, Nat, uh, Public Relations mm-hmm. Society of yeah. America, who's, uh, who's uh, housed over a new house, but he's for the entire country about ethically, where does this put us politically? Um, while we were doing that, uh, given my background, yeah. is that I scraped all the data from Twitter, because Twitter has an open API. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the 10 congressional districts across upstate New York. Uh, one, uh, the 25th, I didn't scrape because Louise Slaughter, the uh, congresswoman, passed away in mm-hmm. March. So I focused on the 17th to the 27th district from Westchester all the way to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. 27th district also has Chris Collins, who's under mm-hmm. investigation right now. Yep. Uh, but the 10 accounts that I still had really showed interesting patterns, not only with what they tweet out for messaging, but what they bring in in terms of followers and even retweeting as well. Now you're talking about the districts or the 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 can not the or the candidates in those districts. Either the incum- no, just the incumbents. The incumbents, okay. Just the yeah. the, the men and women who are uh, representing mm-hmm. New York as members of Congress okay. uh, and their district. And you have people like you know Paul Tonko uh, out of Amsterdam, mm-hmm. the capital district, who have been on Twitter for for eight nine years. Yeah. So you have volume. Sure. Um, but then you have uh, uh, Elise Stefanik, um, who has a very savvy, uh, you almost appreciate her Twitter hmm. game, uh, because she's only liked one tweet. Hmm. And it's really interesting to see, you know, you trace it back. Yeah. But what I was also interested to see is uh, the concept of bots and fake accounts and mm-hmm. uh, retweeting messages. As we know, I, from my perspective, is 
often when you retweet, it's it's shaping your identity in a way. Sure. What are the things? I mean, I think about the people that I follow. Like some some people I follow because I like their messaging. Some people I follow just because of of the feed, right? Right. And so, what does that say? Yeah. What does that say about that person? Yeah. It's extremely uh, difficult now in 2018 to build an audience sure. on social. Um, so you could see by scraping the data how many different strategies are in play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't, uh, you know, we want people to go to the mm-hmm. story. I won't let it out completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, I scraped both uh, Claudia Tenney's Twitter account and Anthony Brindisi's as well just to see where that messaging is mm-hmm. going and how it interacts with the folks in the district. Also by looking at their followers, uh, a large, not a large percentage, but a fair amount are fake accounts or bots following this. You have the ID number, you have location, you have last time. You know, Maybe they're inactive accounts in yeah. a way too, where if, uh, looking at the methodology, if they haven't tweeted anything or interacted since like 2015, yeah. it's safe to say. Yeah. You also have, um, when you scrape some of the data with some of these tools, you also see if it's English language mm-hmm. uh, or if it's a foreign language as well. Hmm. Um, so I think people put a lot of credence into volume mm-hmm. and messaging. Um, and this goes back to Luke's story about, um, you know, in terms of political communication, where is perception in 2018 because yeah. of social media? He worked hard. Like, this is a guy who's writing another book, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to slice out some time and really invest time into it. Um, it's, it's an interesting read. You know, one of the other things that I guess I would, I would throw out to you is um, I, I had a, in one of the classes that I, I teach, we were, we were talking about um, pros and cons of different media, right? And, you know, so not just what's different about them, but look, as an as a entrepreneur, like, what is, what is different about them? And one of the things I, I, that scared me to death was we started talking about newspapers. And... So the first thing I said is, so what, what comes to your mind when you think of newspapers? You know, and I'm thinking like, you know, big papers. And the, the first student raises his hand, he goes, can't believe them. And I was like, are you, are you serious? He goes, no, you can't believe them. And I was like, holy shit, this is a problem. Yeah. Like this is how far we've, we've so I'm like, so what do you, what do you believe, you know? And, and, and there's this, this is the climate where, I don't know, I was stunned. And so I guess to, to, to push this back towards state line, um, you know, the, the folks that are doing these projects that they're, that are, you know, they're journalistic. Some of them are straight journalism, um, but they're not all by professional journalists. And so yeah. how do you feel, where, where does this land in this landscape of completely politicized media? Yeah. So a, a couple of things, I think this goes back to media and data literacy as well. And everyone has a right to believe what they want to believe. And I think when we see the drawback of a lot of traditional news organizations, uh, and then you have uh, something amplified like mm-hmm. social media, it's, it's really uh, user preference, user error in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, but what we've also done, and it goes back to uh, you know, core principles of, of media is you show your work, right? Unless you're Banksy, and you know, <laughs> you know, he's got another trick up his yeah, sleeve. Yeah. But I'll give an example. Luke's Luke's story uh, analysis can be very much uh, viewed as you know because he comes from an institution uh, of higher ed, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where oh liberal bias. Sure. If you know Luke, I mean, he, it's right down the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy wrote a book on Mitt Romney. Like this isn't this yeah. isn't just because you're an academia. Yeah. 
he plays it right down the middle and we also add links mm-hmm. all the data that i scraped mm-hmm. you can download as that's well. awesome so that's one of those things do yourself a favor dig and spend the time yeah and look and, and decide for yourself how to how you want to remix it how or, do you want yeah. to remix it because if you took the time to scrape that data if you had the time to analyze that data if you don't know how to do that well mm-hmm. you know there's now more outlets that sure, show sure, you how to do sure. that um, but it's also linked mm-hmm. I mean one of the things especially with an academic paper is that you're building on somebody else's work but you're also heavily footnoting it, yeah, sure, and sure. links. So you can follow the, you can go down the rabbit hole if yeah. you want. And he's got, you know, in a four thousand word story, he's uh, he's basically got somewhere between sixty and seventy contextual links, yeah. like everything that's either quoted, that's not original quoted, uh, is linked. Is linked. That's awesome. It's basically, look, this is exhaustive research. You decide. Now, where does the stories in state line fit? We're trying to find stories also that not aren't so apolitical, um, but also stories that are going to resonate across. Mm-hmm. You know, because with a traditional newspaper, uh, you still have endorsements. Sure. You have political sure. endorsements. Sure. So immediately you're tagged as either being mm-hmm. right or left. This is almost uh, this is agnostic in a way where we're more focused on the delivery and the style of media mm-hmm. uh, and, a, and a very decidedly different audience. So when does this go live? What's it cost? Yeah. And uh, where do people dig into this? So statelineny.com is the website, Stateline New York. Um, it's through Halfpenny, uh, Halfpenny Creative LLC. That's my new LLC. Uh, a lot of them have philanthropic, mm-hmm. uh, and all three ideas that I have some have some type of philanthropic bent to it. Okay. Each story for uh, Stateline, and they're kind of coming fours, and there's going to be four rounds, so it's seasonal with fall, mm-hmm. winter, uh, spring, and next summer, just to really gauge mm-hmm. you know where where this goes. They're all priced at two ninety nine. Half goes to the creator of the media, mm-hmm. uh, and the other net proceeds go to charity education-based charity. And the reason why I picked education 501c3 is I'll let the audience decide. You know, they, they get they can nominate mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, any educational-based uh, uh, charity mm-hmm. anywhere across the state. And then there'll be a three-day period in December where I just said vote on where you redirect the money. So that's it's all cool. half and half. That's cool. And the reason why, again, I chose education because education, when we talk about 501c3s, are, are pretty apolitical. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, I believe it's at the core of what we do. It's not me because I'm an academic. Right. It's not me because I have kids. It's more of, you know, there's ways to give back to communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and traditional news organizations have done this all, you know, uh, all the time uh, as part of their business mm-hmm. model. Where at the end of the year, you know, that's why a lot of you know, uh, you know, great organizations uh, for part of their quarter four fundraising strategy. You know, newspapers and news organizations are pretty closely aligned within a community with one charity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a tax write-off sure, for, for sure. folks, but at the same time, you're reinvesting in your community. Mm-hmm. So it's a different model. Cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, I guess well, it launches when Monday. 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 Cool. Yeah. StatelineNewYork.com. Do you want to promo one more? Yeah, I guess you know. I guess the the only thing <laughs> is uh, uh, part one of the stories is we adapted. Um, uh, uh, what was at the time uh, an audio walking tour of Historic Bag Square in Utica that we built on a platform called Detour. Detour has since been, um, uh, they shut us down. <laughs> they, or they, they shut down. They shut, they shut down 
third-party um, uh, developers, and uh, and so we, we had no play. This was a this was a story that was um, uh, I think I'm really proud of making. It's it's really the the hidden history of. Uh, of Bag Square East in, in Utica, New York, which is um, a few blocks, but a very, very rich history um, that, that's told through immersive audio. Um, so the idea is that you'll, you, could, you would walk it, and then through the app, the, the GPS would know where you were, and it would tell you stories about that location. So we've adapted that to Stateline New York's platform, where you'll be able to, to read it as an article if you want, uh, and experience that the, the the article version of that in using 360 degree panoramas um, for those for that location data as well as some photos and videos or um, you can download the audio in in bite sized chunks or as a private podcast and listen uh, at your leisure or walk it if you're if you're in the area so I'm pretty stoked to to have this project find another another home I think it's an important story yeah um, I think what was it back in August. Um you know, working with you now, you know, over the last year or two, mm-hmm. the fact, the fact that there's two reasons why I love that one historical significance and the fact that there's just a lot of creative people out there who are creating these projects mm-hmm. uh, that should find a home. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a big push and rightfully so for urban revitalization, which is one of the things we really focus on. Um, it, and it's not being covered or the stories aren't being told the way they should be told. They're not being uh, given its justice. And we have upstate New York, which just has such a rich, you know, depository of, of history. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people are embracing history and bringing it, you know, something old is new again, mm-hmm. that has to be celebrated in a way. And in a way, it's traditional media turned inside out, where you have all these historical retrospects, which you always be like, oh, on this date in 20, you know, mm-hmm. 30 years oh, yeah. ago. Yeah. People forget about that. What you guys have done have turned that inside out for a walking tour where people now are buying into that, not because they, they have to, because they want right. to. They right. want to see their communities come back to life. Um, and then when you've told me about it, when I finally got all the, uh, the, uh, the assets, the audio, I'm like, this is amazing because you've partnered with historical yep. societies. And there's enough historical societies across upstate New York, which I feel as if this just this, this makes sense going mm-hmm. forward uh, in a lot of ways. To I tell love these stories. And, and but you just hit it. It's it's storytelling. It's not a textbook or just historical record. It's it's a narrative that I think you know. I, when I look at the other stories that are going to be presented in this this project, it should make people not only, um, you know, in some cases entertained, in some cases terrified, um, but hopefully it, it makes people stop and, and, and think or, or, or take action on a certain issue. So, yeah. cool. I know you focused on the thinking aspect, and I have a mm-hmm. former colleague of mine who's a brilliant photographer uh, up in the Adirondacks. So when I was first talking to him over the summer about this, and he goes, well, you know, he's since left the industry. He goes, you have any happy stories? In there, and I said, you know, Aaron, I go, it's it's not so much it's all doom and gloom. It's, we want to make you think yeah. about things like this. So the happy story ultimately became, you know, Ryan, Ryan Company's <laughs> happy story. But that yeah. means going ahead. I already have three of the four stories lined up for uh, January. Awesome. Uh, you know, one in Buffalo, uh, one focused on agriculture as, as well. Um, so I'm, um, if you're experimenting, if you're hoping to experiment and trying to find a home, I'm more than happy to listen. Awesome. Cool. Uh, statelineny.com. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll see how it goes on, on Monday when, when we launch. So, Thanks, all right, Ryan. cool, man. 
So I hope you dug it. Um, I, I'm super uh, interested to see the rest of the stories. I'm going to check them out right now. Again, check out statelineny.com if you want to uh, actually take a look at any of these stories that, that uh, are, are part of the first crop of um, pretty amazing citizen journalism happening right here across upstate New York. Um, thanks a lot for tuning in. Quick plug for the um, quick plug for the newsletter. If you're not signed up, go to rustbeltstartup.com and you can sign up for that newsletter where I share previous episodes, some extras and goodies and things that have been across, uh, have come across my desk or inbox that you might find interesting. And uh, t- two last things. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, go back and check it out. It's an interview with Anthony Brindisi. He's a, uh, he's running for Congress this November. And, uh, and I would really love it if you took the time to, uh, to check out that interview with Anthony. And it's very, very important that you go out and vote if you are in the 22nd district here in upstate New York. Well, I mean, it's critical that you vote anyway, but super critical that you come out in this district. I'll see you guys in about two weeks. Thanks so much.